You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Sunday smash. There's my man, the newly. If your mic is getting crushed right now. Sorry, that's my fault. God, showing off my showing off the showing off the threads. Two seconds into the welcome of the Sunday smash, and he's just banging his mic against. As I was going to say, the newly cemented diehard Lightning fan that is Corey Ooh. Clark joins us. I have had this on all day, but I've also owned it for two years. Right, uh, and I have countless other bolt stuff going on in the back. But hey, look, welcome aboard, brother. Welcome aboard. Hey, man, were you going to kick me off? About am I not allowed on? I, I feel like I went. I was there. I got it. I got us a W, a big W. How about <laughs> how about Stammer? How about my man Stammer coming through <laughs> with those two goals? That was great, yeah. man. Yeah, uh, but yeah, was- so uh, me and Brady and uh, Stephanie went down there, and it was always the first time I've ever been to a Lightning game. It's only the third hockey game I've ever been to in my life, and the last one was the Thrashers. So that's how long ago that was. So yeah, man, that was uh, that was really fun. We had a we had a really fun time. They do a good job there. Yeah, it's uh, it's incredible, really. Did you get there in time for the pregame, like I told you to do, and all that? Yeah, and it's a long pregame. I mean, yeah, it is, it's relentless. I mean, it's thirty yeah. minutes of this, and then that, and then this, and then a lot, all these different kinds of music and rap videos. Then some kids come out with some lightning sticks. Yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy. Yeah, uh, well, it, you know, when you're back-to-back Stanley Cup champions, there's a lot of highlights, yeah. a lot of highlights. And when you go for the third year in a row, there's a lot of highlights. But we're not here to talk about the no, Bolts. No. We're not here that's to talk tomorrow. about the Bolts. That's tomorrow in our new podcast you and I are doing. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, we'll yeah. break it down. Let's get uh, – first of all, thanks to all of you who have tuned in. Good to be with you. been a while since I've been on the Sunday Smash, so I'm happy to be here with my boy Corey Clark. Looking forward to it. We got a lot to catch up on. I would say that the two of us, and I think it's probably um, – it's not really, it's not something that can be second guessed, uh, could provide the greatest insight uh, to what just happened with Florida State baseball. Uh, so, wouldn't you agree? I mean, like, given our history, given our knowledge, our in depth knowledge of Florida State baseball, this was the duo that was necessary yeah. tonight. And our intelligence, the, just the overwhelming intelligence of, uh, yeah. of the two of us together. That's, that's a duo that can't be beat. That is true. So, it is that uh, since we last spoke, uh, Mike Martin Jr. Uh, was let go and you know, I can't say that I was stunned. Uh, I was on my way. Oddly, you were on way your your way to my hometown. I was on my way to your hometown. Right. right yeah. uh, at the time that Florida State made the decision on Friday to fire Mike Martin Jr., uh, when I got that call early Friday that this was probably going to happen, um, I, I I can't say I was stunned, Corey. But I will be really honest with everybody, and we'll we'll go ahead and vet all of this and look forward. But. I was disappointed, not that they fired him, because frankly, I think he warranted being fired. I'll say that now. Uh, and we've had a long history at Florida State of kind of half-stepping when it came to change uh, from the athletic department for a variety of reasons. Uh, it's not something that you know we look back on and say, boy, this athletic department is aggressive uh, with their hiring and firing. That's not what they've been over the years. And some of that is good. Some of that's been because the coaches that have been here have been very successful, and it's been hard to have to let them go when things go south. Uh, Some of it's just because also the athletic director, frankly, didn't have any real authority since post-Dave Hart. Now he does. And I had a suspicion, and Corey, tell me if you agree with this, now, we'll get into the locker room stuff, but I had a suspicion, given the way the Krikorian thing played out, 
that that could expedite the situation with Mike Martin Jr. Do you agree? I, did, I didn't really see the correlation there. Maybe in hindsight, uh, I, I should have. Uh, look, that was a bad week for Michael Alford. And, and look, we can say it's just women's soccer, but that dude's the best coach in the country. He had just won a national championship. And then he comes out and says, the emails come out, but then he comes out and says, uh, yeah, man, I, I, he had all these problems with this AD. And uh, yeah, that put uh, Alford on some shaky ground with some people. Maybe not the people that mattered, but some, some people that mattered. And then, um, yeah, if you go in, uh, he took care of Lonnie, which was a big step. But then, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I also think this, Jeff, and tell me if you agree with this. This wasn't just a what happened on the field firing. I don't think it could be because we only have two years of data. And again, they were, they were sloppy. They made a million mistakes. They made us all shake our heads. But they also did get to the tournament two years in a row. They did not fall off a cliff. They did not crash into the side of a mountain where they were going 18 and 50, you know what I mean, or 18 and 40. They weren't an embarrassment. They played embarrassingly at times, but hey, so do a lot of teams. They weren't an embarrassment. But so two years seemed to me, that's why I thought he'd get one more year, is because, okay, one more year that, that finishes up his contract. But if Alford was like, look, I'm not renewing you either way, then what is the point in hanging on to him? If, if you know that unless he gets to the College World Series next year, which didn't look like it was going to be feasible with what he had coming back, what he was losing, I guess, then, yeah, maybe it makes sense to just cut bait now, say, okay, we tried. We gave, we gave the Martins a chance. They've been a coach here for 40, what, 43 years in a row. It's time for somebody else. And it, it just it did, it certainly didn't be trending in the right direction, appear to be. Well, there's a lot of levels to this, too. I, yeah. I, first of all, let me say that for Mike Martin Jr., a guy that nobody would argue – uh, is lacking passion and love for school, right? He loves right. Florida State University. He loved it as a player. Obviously, his dad is his dad, a legendary figure in college baseball, poured his heart out and gave his life, uh, you know, in terms of career to the university. Junior wanted this job, has wanted this job for a very long time, and he gets it. People can argue all day long, and they have, about whether he should or should not have. It doesn't matter now. He got it, and you know that fulfilled a lifelong dream. He thought, okay, here, this is what I've been waiting to do. I've poured all of my work efforts into this job, and now I've got it. And today, obviously, yesterday, he wakes up, and he doesn't have the job anymore. It's crushing. And unless you're soulless, you obviously feel for anybody who loses their dream job so long as they're not, you know, unequivocally evil. Right. Uh, so, so you feel bad. Uh, and that's not the way you would want things to end. I think everybody wanted it to succeed. Who doesn't? If you pull for Florida State, you want to see this thing succeed. But it didn't succeed. So there's that part of it. Secondly, I think, Corey, yeah, it's not just the on the field. But I'll tell you this, and it pains me to say it, I think the on field was enough to fire them. They, Probably, don't, ever, don't, they don't do anything well. No. There was nothing. There was no, no. They, they, won, they won some games, though, right? If you're just looking at the record. They yeah, but Corey, that's a low bar, baby. That's sure. a low bar. They won some games. They won a lot of games against some teams that they should beat. They had a, a couple of nice runs. The Miami series was a nice series for them. They had a few moments this year where you say they look good. But, but, but by and large, this is a team that plays poorly. They can't win on the road. They don't get the most out of the talent they do have. They can't pick up the baseball. They run the bases like children. That's enough to say, okay, you know, and I've seen enough. It's not moving in the right direction because they did the same thing last year, Corey. Right. No, I, I got you. I'm just saying in the history of this university, that's not what normally happens. A two-year run. I know it happened with Willie Taggart. It happened before two years with Willie Taggart. But look, man, football is a completely different animal. That pays all the bills. Yeah. You can't keep going down the road of a bad hire in football just because you want to be fair to the guy because you're costing yourself literally millions upon millions of dollars. In baseball, you're not. It's not a, re it's not a big revenue sport. It can be. It apparently is in the SEC, but it, it hasn't been here for a while. And uh, they're not counting on huge tons of revenue for baseball. So I thought they would just give it one more year. I thought they would give him one more year to fix it or see if he could fix it and trend in the right direction. If he couldn't, then clearly you, you fire him at that point. But again, I, 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 that's why I was surprised. I was surprised personally that they did it. But the week, the, that week after they lost to Auburn, or I guess and then UCLA, you started to hear some stuff about players, players' families, Things about the way maybe Meat was running a program, very similar to what we heard about Taggart at the tail end of that, where you're like, okay, maybe there is some stuff behind the scenes as far as, um, you know, organization, communication, 
all these things that you need to do to be a successful head coach that were not maybe being uh, being taken care of in that locker room. And that, to me, was probably the final nail in the coffin. Maybe there were already eight nails in there. I don't know how many nails are supposed to be in a coffin, Jeff. Do you? Is it 12? It's, uh, no, I, I don't remember. It's probably changed over the centuries, Corey. Well, true. I, back in the day, it was probably yeah. 100, 100. Yeah, you needed more? a lot of nails back then. They were dull. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, the, the modern nail probably does a much better job. Probably eight. You probably need six to eight nails for a yeah, coffin. Yeah. So yeah, I don't yeah, know if that was the fourth one or the eighth one or whatever it was, but I think those conversations that were happening after that season, not just the embarrassing 21 to seven loss, but just maybe what those conversations that offered was having with people inside or around the program might've been enough to say, look, okay, we could maybe overcome this if my man was 48 and nine, but right. he's barely limping into these tournaments. Uh, Cause look, man, baseball coaches are disliked. A lot of them are, they just are. They're, they're, they're hard asses. Uh, it's kind of the nature of the sport at times. They're going to rub people the wrong way, but you better be able to win if you're going to rub people the wrong way. And meat certainly wasn't doing that at the, at the rate he needed to. I think more than anything, when you talk about the off the field stuff, I would guess from what we've heard, it was less maybe organizational and more personality and yeah. communication. I think personality and communication Probably, uh, I think there was an impasse there between he and several players, perhaps their parents, certainly. Maybe donors. Maybe yeah, some donors, uh, too. Maybe some donors, too. Correct. Um, you know, I've described him in the past, and he's somebody I've known for over 20 years, as a red ass. And I think that you can be a red ass, as you just noted. There are several in, in any walk of life, if CEOs, coaches, you name it. But if you're very successful, then nobody questions and nobody's upset that Nick Saban's a red ass. Um, but but because you win and you win big, you can rub people the wrong way and they just have to wear it. But if you are a coach that perhaps some people were unsure should have been given the job to begin with, and now you're not having a lot of success and you're not playing a good brand of baseball and right. you're really difficult to deal with off the field, well, the writing, you know, this expedites the process. Now let's get into the second part of this. Clearly. They want to make a run, and they would be foolish not to. I don't think this is in any way unveiling some secret news. They want to make a run at Lee Jarrett. Uh, it just got more expensive because yeah. Notre Dame just knocked off Tennessee today, and they did the world a favor by beating Tennessee, the most unlikable team to ever play organized sports. Now, that, it's incredible. It's, it is incredible. I mean, it is awesome that kid got kicked out of the game yeah. for telling the umpire, you're effing terrible. And then I think yeah. he said F you. Yeah. But he definitely said, you're effing terrible. Looked right at a home plate umpire and said, you're effing terrible. The umpire kicks him out. And he's like, what? what I yeah. say? what oh, I dude. say? What? I mean, they, they've crazy. been doing this. They've the been doing this all year long. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's incredible. That is the most eminently unlikable team I've probably ever seen. It's, it's pretty rare that you can say almost unequivocally anybody that's paid attention would watch that team, barring that they are a Tennessee fan, and watch that team and say, Golly, this these, this team is hard to like. The numbers yeah. are unbelievable. Like, yeah. if you statistically speaking just want to point to what a great season now utterly worthless because they get bounced from a home regional. Right. Um, if you want, if you want to look at that, uh, you could. But beyond that, uh, by the way, that is another illustration of something that we've had to say for years to the people that are football minded. And sometimes it comes across as an excuse, but this is now the third straight year, right? That the number one seed is not going to win out in Omaha. Um, so Arkansas didn't get there a year ago. It was Arkansas. It was Arkansas. It's Tennessee this year. Was yeah. it Arkansas last year? And, and then UCLA in 19. UCLA. Yeah. So, so it just shows you, again, you can have an unreal season, as we know all too well, unfortunately, here in Tallahassee, and it can all come undone in a bad weekend when, when you're playing another good baseball team and right. they play well. That said – Notre Dame is a good baseball team. Yeah. Um, it was It was fun to watch them uh, – it was fun to watch them lose in front of that crowd. Now, that, that said, obviously that probably drives the price up. I want to get to something that I've heard a lot of in a very short period of time. Uh if you if you go and look at our message boards on Warchan or even here in the chat already this evening and certainly on Twitter and I've had people text me and they 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 come at it from the angle that Florida State will never be able to afford Link Jarrett because Notre Dame is going to throw a ton of money at him. A, I don't think Notre Dame is going to throw a ton of money at him. It is still college baseball. Uh but if by a ton of money you mean a lot more than Martin Jr. was making, sure, double that at least. Probably, probably more maybe than triple that. it. Probably yeah, triple probably, it. Yeah, one point eight, something like that. Probably right. One point four. I think. Yeah, pro I think they don't. Florida State's going to have to offer him close to or more than a million dollars. Yeah, yeah. And Notre I, and, Dame will offer him that. Yeah, and by the way, I think they will. Yeah. 
I well, think they'll offer them. For the, for the people that don't think that Florida State will spend that kind of money, we know for sure what they offered Mark Kerkorian to be the head That's coach. Correct. And it That's was, I, I say for sure, I can't remember the email, but I think it was $850,000 or eight twenty. It was close to a million dollars for a women's soccer coach. Right. They, they don't bring in money at all. At, at all. all. They so lose if they're money really, and I know Kerkorian is, is the best coach in the country, but that's still a ton of money for a non-revenue sport. So if they're willing to pay him that, if they're willing to pay, willing to pay Lonnie $4 million over the next six years or whatever it is, they will pony up enough to have a competitive offer to link Jarrett. It will be whether way, he wants to, if he wants to leave Notre Dame or not. The point is Notre Dame could always offer more. Of course yes. they could. Notre Dame could offer him $5 million a year. That'd be stupid, but they could. The point is, Florida State can't outbid Notre Dame, but they don't have to. They have to be in the reasonable ballpark. Link yeah. Jarrett loves Florida State University. He wanted this job two years ago. He wants this job now. Now, again, it's up to Florida State to go get him. Not yeah. saying they will. I think they're going to give it a go. I think it's a realistic belief that they'll offer the ballpark number they need to offer in order to put it on his plate and let him decide. Now, listen, in the modern era, we see a lot of weird things happen. Who knows? Maybe Notre Dame does say, we'll give you three and a half million. Well, hell man, I'm not paying three and a half million for it's a baseball crazy. coach. And I don't it, care who he is. And, and, uh, and it's something you need that people need to know. And again, we don't know that he's coming. He might, he might drive it up and he might have stakes in South Bend and that dump of a town. No offense, right. Indiana folks, but that's not the, the most beautiful part time. of your okay. that's not the most beautiful part of your state. Um, but he's from Tallahassee. He went he grew up in Tallahassee. He's born and raised a Seminole. He played at Florida State. He played in the World Series for Florida State. He was a roommate of Mike Martin Jr. But another thing that I think needs to be considered, because when I was thinking about that, I was thinking the one thing that Florida State could like lure, even if the money's equal, Florida State can always lure the prospect of. We, we're going to give you a more consistent chance to win a national championship year in and year out, recruiting in this area at this school than at Notre Dame. Now, maybe it doesn't help batters that they just went and beat the number one team in the country and now going to Omaha. That probably doesn't help that bid. But, Jeff, I looked it up because I kept hearing how old Notre Dame was, how old that lineup is, how old that team is. So I looked up their batting order, their box, their box score, not their box office, their box score. Their box office is terrible, by the way. Yeah. Like literally yeah. they get like 900 people to those games or 1,100 people. So in their games against Tennessee, I'm going to read you the 10 kids that batted in the main pitchers just by their class. Grad student, sophomore, junior, senior, senior, grad student, senior, grad student, senior, grad student, grad student, senior. Sophomore, freshman, junior, the three, the last three pitchers. I mean, so you're talking about what? One, two, three, four grad students. One, two, three, four, five. So five grad students, five seniors out of his top 13 players, dude. So if there's a time to leave, it's now. It would be now because these guys are all leaving with you. The guys that took you to Omaha are all leaving together, and y'all accomplished something together. And people might think that's wishful thinking on my part. It definitely has to come into play. If this was a young team. If, frankly, if these were his recruits, which they're not, these are guys. Now, look, they're his players. I hate when somebody takes over a team and says and starts winning and they're like, oh, he's winning with somebody else's players. No, they're Link Jarrett's players. But he didn't recruit most of this lineup. This is all guys that were there before he got there and he developed them. But these aren't guys. It's not like he's winning with a bunch of freshmen and sophomore that he brought in and said, believe in my vision. All right. So let's circle back and do two things here then. First of all, we established we think Florida State will make a highly competitive offer for Link Jarrett. I don't think Notre Dame is willing to pay him some astronomical sum that nobody in, say, the it SEC is even – They don't no, go they, and support that team at that – No, they don't. don't. They, they don't, and that's another reason he'd want to get out because he played in front of the Section B Animals and diehard fans and loved it here. And, yes, there's you can never underestimate the pull of those heartstrings so long as the number is not offensive. Right. As long as the contract offer isn't absurd. Right. Like when right. they turn around and offer him 400 grand. Yeah, he'd laugh at that. Right. But but listen, they're going to put a competitive offer in. My guess is they're probably hell bent on bringing in Link Jarrett. Now, there are other people who, who are highly qualified who want this job as well. Florida State will have options. So it's not like if they don't get Link, they can't bring in a name or they can't bring in somebody who they think can do a good job. 
Um, but they know they're going to pay their baseball coach more. Part of the appeal of bringing Mike Martin Jr. to the helm as the head coach, it, satisf it satisfied a lot of uh, – you could check a lot of boxes there. One of them was financially at a time when you were hurting for cash because you were paying off all that extra money to Willie Taggart. Right. You were able to get him on the cheap. But now we're moving into the last year where you're paying Taggart that money. Uh, a lot of money is freed up. And now you also have to invest to keep this product viable. They know that it, there would be a groundswell of support and excitement and enthusiasm that has not existed at Hauser in some time, if we're being honest. Yeah. Uh, that would be huge. And then finally, the other thing I was going to say, we brought it back. We began the conversation with Mike Alford and the timing. Well, what does that firing tell you? It tells you they knew they had to act because there are other people coming after Link Jarrett. It is pretty common knowledge that Clemson's making a run at Link Jarrett. I'm surprised by that. They don't seem to invest much in baseball. But, hey, if they are deciding to do so, you're going to want to get out in front of that. You're going to want the opportunity now before somebody snatches them up. And I think Florida State recognized it as well, and Mike Alford certainly did. Well, and I was just looking it up because, again, to go along with um, – and, and people, I, we, had a, we had a post on the chat right to, starting right away saying that since he got him to Omaha, Florida State won't be able to get Link Jarrett. And I just – I don't think that's the case. I think it's not the case. Notre Dame is a mid-major when it comes to baseball. As far as prestige, as far as fan support, um, look, man, I just looked it up. I looked up their Friday night game against, uh, against Virginia Tech, who was also a super regional team. They played them in the middle of this season in South Bend. The attendance for that Friday night game was 300 people. 300 is what it says on the box score, which probably means it was closer to 250, and half of them were Virginia Tech parents, I'm sure. So he would go from playing in front of a crowd in a city that just does not care about that team to coming and playing for a, a program that really does. And he knows. Who else knows better than Link Jarrett what this program could be? I'm not saying it's a done deal. I'm not saying it's going to happen. But it would number one, it wouldn't make any sense financially for Notre Dame to give them a huge deal because they make no money in return. I mean, they were really good this year. They were top 12-ish all year. And like I said, playing another top 12 team, they had 300 people there. And he's, he's losing literally all of his players, all of his starting lineup except for two, one kid. There's a sophomore. Everybody else leaves. So it's, a, it's just a perfect time for him to leave. It's just a matter of you giving him a reason to leave. And we all think Florida State would. Um, so it seems it seems to me like it would bode well that Florida State would have an inside track on him. Yeah, and so at the end of the day, we and now it doesn't again it doesn't mean they're going to get him. We're not reporting that they're going to get him. We know they'll go after him. We know they'll probably make a pretty competitive offer. Link could have a lot of other things that he's factoring in. I don't know what those are. I've not spoken to Link Jarrett. Uh, I know plenty of people who know him very very well. I covered him all the way back in the day and all that good stuff. But I would just tell you that. Um, I, I, you know, he loves Florida State. And, and if you read his quote when he was questioned about this job already, Corey, that was that was adept. That was really definitely done, was it not? Yeah, I mean, yeah. he, he, he basically his quote tells you how interested he is and in, in at least listening to what Florida State has to say. He certainly um, didn't deny interest. He was like, right. look, I'm not worried about that right now. I'm worried about these guys. We've got one more win to get here and all that. And, uh, you know, I don't know what's going on in Tallahassee. I know my former roommate was fired. Yeah. Um, you know, he kind of made he made it evident to everyone. Yeah, he still had he still knows that program. And uh, and that guy, he hasn't he hasn't uh, a long relationship with with the Martins. So, uh, yeah, it, it just it, it couldn't work out to me anyway. You're right. There's there's a much a bunch of levels to it. The fact that it was it seemed like a to me anyway, kind of an out of nowhere, not an out of nowhere firing, but to me surprising just because it had only been two seasons. But if you're worried that this is the only chance to get Link Jarrett then, I mean, that, that gives you, that gives you a, a chance. I don't know if there's been any back-channel communication or not, and I'm not Link Jarrett's agent. I don't even know if baseball coaches have agents. I assume they do. I don't know. These days, I'm sure they do. Uh, but um, but I, I think, I mean, I just think a kid that was, a guy that was born, he's 50, born and bred in Tallahassee, went to Florida State, loved Florida State, and the job is open. You can rebuild it to glory. You're not chasing Mike Martin Sr., you're not replacing Mike Martin Sr. Nobody wants to do that. You're replacing his kid. That's a perfect landing spot. It just it, and he and it was perfect for him to have this kind of season with with all that with all, with this going on in Tallahassee. It just seemed it seems like a perfect storm of events to get him here, which you know probably means he'll go to USC. Who knows? Well, well I'll say this. Um, that's another reason Mike Jr. picked a bad time to have the year they had. Yeah. on the heels of the season that was disappointing to come in and have the season they had this year 
where you struck out a ton, just like you did a year earlier. You didn't pick up the baseball, just like you didn't a year earlier. Base running mistakes continued to plague this team week in and week out, just like it did for the last 10 years. So you've watched all of the problems. You just exacerbated At some point, you're looking at this going, this is not. And you wrote the column last week. Where is this headed? Even if yeah. you don't make the move, where is this headed? It certainly didn't look good. I know the counter to all this, if you're in, in, in his corner or if you're him, is that, hey, look, man, I've had to retool this roster. We were coaching a man down at the end of my father's career. I, I can't flip this roster overnight. If you want better play, you're going to get better play with better players. So you got to give me a chance. I mean, that's the argument he would make. I don't think he had a lot of people, clearly not the athletic director, in his corner at that point, um, especially if the relationships weren't there. If players don't like playing for you and they're playing poorly and their parents are complaining to the athletic director, uh, you got real problems when the season ends as disappointingly as it did. Throw in the mix that Mike Alford is a former collegiate baseball player. So, man, that doesn't help your cause either because he knows what he's looking at. He was at Auburn for 21-7. to Yeah, well, yeah, so was Tom Lang, sad guy. But he was also in, uh, what do we call that place? Yeah, but the Tom's Lightning not. Center? What do we? Yeah. What do we? What do we call where the Lightning play? Is this Emily Arena? Emily no, I know Arena. that, but does it have a nickname like the Thunderdome or something? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's okay. uh, yeah, it's it's. <laughs> okay, well, we're calling it the Thunderdome, whatever we it's, want to call it. Emily um, is what we call it, but yeah. Obviously, uh, get down, lay down. That's that's the stammer. Stammer. I saw him score two goals. The yeah. only two they needed. That's got to be the. So are they? Uh, is Stamkos a Hall of Famer? And Kucherov, yes. they're Hall of Famers, right? And yes. the goalie, of course. Yes. Yeah, that was fun. We got to see a lot of uh, a lot of Hall of Famers on the ice. I was trying to tell that to Brady, and he was into it, which was cool. I he was uh, he was into that. Uh, it was first hockey experience of his life, and he was into it. I'm glad he didn't have to years ago go see Atlanta play. No, that, that was tough, man. That, was, that would have been disappointing. Yeah, we see, only I'm glad we go... wiped it. We got the bad taste out of your mouth. You now have seen a real hockey franchise, a dominant one at that. Uh, the first team in 40 years to go to three straight Stanley Cup Finals, man. Crazy well, since Wayne Gretzky and the Edmonton Oilers. And understand this, Corey, this is the salary cap era. Nobody in the salary cap sure. era has ever won three straight Stanley Cups. So, buddy, this could be truly History. what a year for you to what, go. Yeah. I know, historical. Now i got to get my uh, season tickets for next year. There you go. Let's go. I, I now, let's back, do this. Back to Alford real quick because you brought it up at the beginning of the show. You know, I think there's a lot of people in his corner after this that were that thought, oh, he's just going to be another one of Meets boys. He's a baseball guy. Not Meets boys, but he's yeah. a baseball guy. He was probably friendly with the Martins. He's gonna he's gonna lay low, see if he can get it turned around in three or four years. He's not, and no, he went and made uh, a really quick decision on something. And I think, and I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I think it may. It, a lot of people, a lot of Florida State fans, are like, oh, okay, Alford, okay, I see what you're doing. I'm not saying I'm one of those, but I think that uh, for for some fans that were a little miffed and worried because of Krikorian and frankly because of the football team right now, I think they. They like that they have an AD that if he thinks there's a problem and something needs to be done, it gets done. We've waited as Knowles forever to be in a position where the athletic director is the one to be pointed to when things are going well or poorly, right? That's not been the situation at Florida State for a very long time. Yeah, it's been and, presidents. It's been school that, presidents mainly. Yeah, and that and that also means that guys in a position like he's in, if you if you work your whole life to be put in that position because you've clamored for it, and now you have this opportunity. Those guys want to put their stamp on things. Those guys want to go down swinging. Either they're going to succeed or fail their way. And since he didn't hire Mike Martin Jr., he didn't hire uh, uh, Mike Norvell, right? Like we go yeah. back to, yeah. So he he's now in a position where you're thinking about, all right, how much room do how much wiggle room do I give this guy if he's not winning? Because my job, I'm tasked with responsibility. I have total autonomy. I can I can make it your, your university president is not all that interested in athletics, but he understands the importance of athletics. He hires a guy and says, get the job done. Well, man, it's on you now. And people have watched powerful athletic directors. They saw it with uh, down in Gainesville with Foley and those guys who, who step in and say, look, our goal is to compete for and win conference championships, if not national championships. But the bottom line is you've got to be amongst the upper echelon in our conference or else we're going to judge you harshly and we'll move on. Well, Florida State wants that. Florida State yeah. fans want a guy who's going to say, this ain't working. I'm not going to wait around five years. I'm going to make this move now because we got to get this righted. Now, if you make the wrong hires subsequently, then you get fired. But that's fine. We know where the blame lies. And that's where we wanted to be for a long time in the past. It was a convoluted situation because of the way the booster setup worked. 
And if he turns Mike Martin Jr. into Lincoln Jarrett, I think it'll be universal praise for, for from Florida State fans. Now, we'll see how Link does if he does indeed get the job. But if it's Mike Martin Jr. into an assistant from another school, then, again, I think people are going to be like, okay, that you you fired him after year two with a year left on his contract for uh, for an assistant from you know Virginia Tech or something. You know what I mean? Like, I think Link Jarrett would be a huge hire for him after really, honestly, making a pretty solid, it seems, soccer hire. Out of nowhere. I mean, nobody yeah. thought he was going to have to be hiring a new soccer coach because Cricordia just won a national championship. And then he locked up Lonnie. So now you get all that out of the way and then go win some football games. Speaking of which, you need good players to win football games. Indeed. And I see my man Michael Langston is sitting there, and he can tell us about the ones that have been here at camps, who's coming, who's going, what's going on. Michael Langston, how the hell are you, brother? <laughs> I'm good, man. Uh, <laughs> long week, uh, long day, and uh, you know, certainly a lot of stuff going on. You know, at Florida State this week, I think uh, people saw this morning, Antavius Woody is cleared. He's going yes. to be at FSU on Monday. He's offensive lineman. He's the remaining guy in the 2022 class, so he's going to be there Monday. So adding that is is important. I was told, like, don't be surprised if he ends up on the defensive line. Somebody told me that today because he's really good on the defensive line. Uh, he was actually the MVP at the Atlanta Regional Camp that I went to, so I was told by somebody today. So don't be surprised if they start him over on the defensive line, uh, especially with the class that they brought in on the offensive line. So that could be something to kind of watch. Um, but, and then they had six official visitors uh, on campus, two quarterbacks, Brock Glenn was one of them. The other quarter is Ricky Collins. He's committed to Purdue. Um, I just dropped a big, uh, you know, big nugget on, on the board as far as a recruiting wrap about all these guys. Um, you have uh, wide receiver, Shelton Sampson, a top 100 type of receiver, uh, you also had uh, I can't even I'm I'm no I'm gonna screw up his name defense attack well Yami uh, I want to say Tafas is how you say his last name but uh, he was on campus um, he actually visited he visited three schools success uh, in a row and FSU was the last official visit and when I tell you guys you need to go to Warchant and look at the picture of this guy he looks like a college player already right now and uh, things so I think there's a couple of them that. Uh, FSU looks good for. They also were hosting Dan uh, David, who's a transfer from Oregon. I think things are trending in a positive direction for that guy as well, along with Tafas, who I just covered. So a uh, lot of positivity as far as how the recruiting weekend has gone. People can read all the stuff on there, but I think it was a very good weekend based on uh, the returns I'm getting early on from these official visits. I want to ask you about the guys at the camp and who was here and all that good stuff, but go ahead and let me bring you down for the night. Destin Hill is going to play football for Florida State. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, I was kind of saving that for later tonight. I was told that uh, by somebody as an FSU source that said, I will text you on the date of he's coming. So that's more than what I usually get. So, you know, something could be – it's supposed to happen in the summer and this June, so I can't give you a definitive answer. Jeff, trust me, I'm going through the selfish of hell listening to people ask me about Destin Hill over and over and over. But uh, that's – Michael, that's, have you ever talked to Destin Hill? Have you met yes. him in person? Oh, so, yeah. okay, good. All right. Yes. Sure. He's, yeah. visit, he's visited FSU unofficially twice. Okay, uh, you he, saw him it, in person. Like, yes, we, and... yeah, it was an interview in person, Corey. Nice, yeah. <laughs> man. Okay, all right, good. <laughs> he good. is alive. He is okay, not. Great. He is. He is not Monte Teo's uh, girlfriend. I mean, he's real. Like, <laughs> with, he's, hey, he's a real those person. Official visitors. You, you said there were six of them. Are they mostly twenty twenty three? Are some of them twenty four? Um, no, I, no. The, you can't take an official if you're twenty twenty four. But so they're all, all up and coming seniors. Then. Yeah, one of them. But one of them was supposed to be twenty twenty three. But the guy I just mentioned, Tafas, the defensive tackle, I found out today he's actually going to be a twenty twenty two. So he can be in this class coming up. Oh, um, okay. So, so he could be here next Wednesday, from what I was told. So, uh, and but he's the guy that they really targeted. Odell's build a relationship, uh, kind of all that stuff, and. And uh, they did a tremendous job uh, this weekend. But he's a guy that could be added to that 2022 class that I talked about being wrapped up. And it might not be technically wrapped up. Uh, he might be a new addition. Michael, whenever I ask you questions, I come out. First of all, I want to defer to your expertise in this realm every time. And I mean that seriously. Secondly, I always want to come at it from 
uh, the standpoint of I'm listening or watching this show and I understand recruiting is the lifeblood of a program. So I want to know we've got good players, but I also hear things like, like you know, uh, or how important are these camps and, and the quality of player that comes to visit says a lot about the quality of the staff and the job they're doing, forming relationships and things of that ilk. So I am asking you a big picture question here. Uh, are they doing a good job of getting some of the bigger names, better players in the top 100, top 200 in the country to come and and, and be at these camps uh, to meet, greet, build relationships so that they have a shot that if this season turns out the way that they hope it does, eight, nine wins, something along those lines, they can finally gain some momentum in recruiting. Because the truth is, Michael, I think a lot of our fan base looks at this group and says, Kind of half-stepping in recruiting, guys. There may be a lot of reasons for that, but we're not elite, and we're not bringing in big-time players right now. Good, this three-star likes us. Maybe this borderline four-star likes us. It's a long-winded question, but give us the big-picture view of how this staff is doing for things like this where they have guys on campus. Are they getting some better names? Okay, the big picture is in the spring, out of this world. Uh, they were they elite dudes everywhere. I, I can't say that they've done that for camps. I've, we've seen some of these official visitors. I've mentioned Shelton Sampson. Everyone wants him. Bama LSU wants him. I mean, this is a guy that everyone wants. Brock Glenn is a guy that people want, quarterback. Ricky Collins is a, like a, almost a Rivals 100 kid. So the official visits, yes. Uh, are the camps guys, they're getting guys at these summer camps that to the level what FSU should be? No, it's not there yet. But did they get these guys on campus in the spring? Yes, they're getting them there. But – Bottom line is it's it's as simple as it gets. Uh, a lot of Gotta these win. kids, a lot of kids, these kids want to see the product. You know, it's not that they they don't believe in everything you know Norvell's telling them and talking about and all this stuff, but they want to see the product on the field. They want to see them win, as you just said, Jeff. And and that's kind of there's not a pause. It's more of hey, I want to see them. I mean, like if like for say if they go into New Orleans and let's say they win that game. Hell, you're going to have guys lined up left and right for official visits. I'm probably going to be so busy, you know, I'm not even going to be really? able to talk to Ira. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but I think it's really just a, a thing where recruits want to see the product. And I don't think it's a detriment on what we've seen so far with the summer camps. There's been some guys that are pretty good. Now, it's not to the level I think it should be, um, but I think it should be better. But I understand why kids are pausing to see what the product is before they race to Tallahassee and uh, check out this, this uh, program. Michael, what, what else is left to do? How many more camps do they have this summer? It seems like literally it's every weekend. There's, <laughs> there's a big man camp or there's this camp or that camp. Is there another one this week coming up? Are there four more in the, in the summer? Like how, what's the schedule like until fall practice actually begins? Okay. okay so June was their big camp season. So, for those that missed missed it, June 4th was their elite camp. That's where they brought all the targets that so they're really after. They came to that, yada, yada. We did all kinds of stuff and breakdown. Then they had the mega camp, which, you know, most of us were at, uh, which is mainly for helping recruits and building connection with high school coaches and helping other programs. There's a few kids, but not much. And then uh, now we're into the individual camps today. Corey was the first day of the, uh, the individual camp. They have an individual camp on the 17th and an individual camp on the 18th. And then they have their really big uh, lineman camp. That's on the 15th, probably going to be over 50 schools at that event. So those are kind of their big events coming up. After the uh, month of June, they'll be done. There won't be any more camps after June. So, yeah, they're they're trying to get as many evaluations in of these kids and trying to give kids opportunities to come kind of check out the way these coaches coach, the way they are, what the offense, what the defense, what what kind of things they run as far as inside the defense and, and just got a feel for kind of the program. That's why they wanted to do it in the month of June. Um, and so that's kind of the wrap of June. I think June's kind of their big month. At the end of the month, they're going to host like, I think, nine official visitors on June 24th weekend. So uh, I think June is kind of what they're, 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 they're pushing for to go into that with some momentum into, you know, into the, uh, you know, into the regular season. Picked up two commitments, one yesterday from a JUCO defensive end and then another from a DB that was at the elite camp, Quindarius Jones. So, you could tell what these camps are for to evaluate as many guys as they can, because yeah. let's face it, let's face it, Jeff and Corey, they have to get on guys early until the product starts equaling out so they can use their product of what is advantage right now. Their product is not an advantage. 
So at the end of the day, look, I could ask you specifically about telltale signs that it's turning the corner because this recruit or that recruit is interested in Florida State and by rights, given that he's a five-star, he ought not be. But that's not going to work because the truth is nobody's going to believe anybody ever since Travis Hunter. They're going to have to see, A, Florida State win some football games in which you can broaden the pool of players to choose from that are really talented and have a chance to change your program, and B, they're going to have to win some games so that people see that the product is getting a lot better. And then see, they're going to have to win some games so that people realize, yeah, that at the end of the day, all the guys they get here, all the players that they're building relationships with, it's very important, but it's only important and can be cashed in upon if you win some damn games. And in particular, Michael, would you not agree with this? They've got to win early, especially with the way things are sped up now in recruiting. So at the end of the day, you lose to LSU and Louisville they're done dealing. They're not going to get any momentum. It's over at that point. Yep. And and the thing is, um, we've seen this four years straight. They've lost their season opener. Four years. You have no momentum. Last year was just the worst. I, I've been in, I've been born and raised in Tallahassee. That's the worst I've ever seen. Just a, a start to a season. Michael, uh, I'd like to correct you real quick if I can. It's been okay, five, it's been five, five years. Five, okay. Five right. years. Yeah. That's even worse. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's even worse. So five straight years, not when your season opener. So, yeah, you got to win. You got to build some momentum early. Obviously, th- I-, I can say this: that Miami win really catapulted them to mm. kids taking notice. Like, okay, okay, these guys are flashing to me now. I like I see this, but they still have to win, and kids want to see a more consistent product. <laughs> I think we're good, Michael. Guzzle that water. You I've got lot. it, man. I- I'm telling you, you earned it, Michael. You've earned it. <laughs> Appreciate it, guys. But, uh, yeah, I think the general message is, you know, kids just want to see the product. And you can tell that kid recruits want them to be good because they keep hitting me up like, hey, what do you think, Mike, they're going to be like this year? Because right. they really want them to be good. Because it's like that's the they- cachet, Mike. That hey, listen, that's why Florida State always has an advantage over a lot of other schools if they can just get their blank together, right? Yep. Because we see this all the time. This is true of all – big-time college football programs that have real cachet in the history of the game, right? Like, go all the way back. I use Oklahoma as an example after they were just disastrous forever, and then Bob Stoops walks in and goes, okay, like, this place is historical. This place has won a ton. What came before you is legendary. He tapped into that and then won some games, and like that, they took off, and they became annually powerful yet again. Jimbo Fisher did that here, right? Like, if you could just get it moving in the right direction, kids know that Florida State – is one of the most prolifically uh, dominant college football programs of the last 50 years. They just yep. need to see evidence that they're on the way back to that soon. And I would even go a step further than that, Jeff. It's like he's done something that I didn't even see Jimbo do with recruits. Like he connects with them personally in a way I haven't seen anybody do probably since Bobby, but you got to win. Like, yeah, yeah, like I can like you, got to like, like you all. So he does. I mean, I've had kids that, or leans towards Alabama, they would go on FSU visits and they're like, I have never seen anybody that, that connects you in a genuine way personally that I, I want these guys to be good. Basically I want these guys to win. Cause if they win, hell man, I got a hell of a decision to make. Cause uh, I love this place. Yeah, so it seems like just listen to you, Michael, that a lot of these guys almost want to commit to Florida state, but they mm-hmm. can't commit to a team that's had four straight losing seasons. You can't, that's, that's, that's hard to do. So yep. just give them ammo. You know, Mike, Mike seems like a really good recruiter, and he if he had a good program with won a lot of games, it might take off. It might literally take off, but go win some damn games and score some touchdowns, man. Figure out yeah, a way you to gotta, score some touchdowns. You, you got to win, and, and, and I'm around these guys a lot, so I see these coaches. I can tell you this, like, these dudes understand what, what's in front of them. They understand, like, hey, we got to win. Like, we have to win now. So it wasn't like the previous staff where they were kind of like, they were worried about all kinds of silly things that weren't like W stuff. These guys understand like that's just why they're putting the roster in. That's why they're getting nine transfers every year. Like we have to win now because if they don't, it's just going to fall apart because eventually the, the time capsule is going to run out. Oh, and they, yeah. And I'm glad they know it's of uh, paramount importance there that they understand that you can't be out here half-stepping. Everybody knows we, we we're all, even the most, fair-minded amongst us understand that enough time has elapsed that you have got to take a leap forward this season. You can't be out here six and six, five and seven again. Nobody will believe in you. And at that point, as I've said on my show, this show, any show I can be on, 
they're dead men walking. They have to understand that. I hope that sense of urgency of which you speak is is present every day. I think it is. Yep. We saw it in spring, Corey. Uh, you see the way that that, that Norvell is coaching. Uh, no detail overlooked. Obviously, the energy is always there. All coaches get it. At the end of the day, you could be the nicest guy in the world. Like you said, Michael, you can connect yep. with people. You can work hard. You can care about the kids. You can be upstanding. If you lose, go pound sand, man. That ain't going to get it done. I don't care how nice you are or how much of a relationship you have with a player. This product is sorry. So, yeah, you got you to see something. You, you, you got to win, and you got to give them something to grasp onto. You got to give these kids and their families, and and even hell, even the boosters and people that support FSU. You got to give them something to grasp onto. Beating Miami every once in a while is not going to cut it. You have to consistently show a program like the standard is the standard. You guys talked about baseball; it's the same thing with football. The standard is what it is, and if you don't meet the standard, nobody's going to believe in it. Nobody wants to be here. Amen. Amen. Good work, Michael Langston. Have a good you, night, bud. man. Go enjoy yourself. Be well. Thank you, bud. That was fun. Um, no, you know man. Who's I, a good I, coach, Jeff. Is uh, is it Cooper? Yeah. <laughs> is that the coach? Is it? I want to yeah. say John Cooper, but that's not right, is it? He's that is the, correct. Yes. Oh, okay. So he's the say is the uh, Ohio State football coach from back in the day. <laughs> oh, Coop Dog. Oh, Coop Dog just keeps because I talked to Tom Lang about this little lightning week after the game. And I'm like, man, I bet you, because he's, I didn't realize he had been there for 10 years or whatever it's been, or he's 11 been years. Time, yeah. He so was he really was there when they had the best record. To, he was very close to being fired after they got swept that's by Columbus. That's what I was saying. And Tom Lang was like, he, I was on board with it. I wanted him to get fired after that, because that's crazy. So for them to go in to have the bet, one of the best records of all time in the regular season and getting swept in the first round, and then answering that with three straight Stanley Cup runs. I know it's not a hockey show, so don't give me any diagnosis of how it happened. That's really cool, though. It's like Virginia after losing the the one sixteen game to Maryland Baltimore County, winning back three straight open. NCAA tournaments. I mean, that's that's a pretty pretty unique thing they're doing. By the way, um, the Panthers did something not dissimilar this year. Now they got out of the first round. They did by, by beating Washington, but they once again won the President's Cup, just like the Lightning had done, and then turned around and in the playoffs, albeit again not in the first round, and got swept by the dominant team in this state and the dominant team in all of the Somebody asked me earlier on the show if I knew what offsides was, and I know it has something to do with the blue line. There we go. There we go. We're getting there. Yeah, I'm starting to find it. And I know when the ref holds his fist in the air, uh, a penalty's been called, and uh, I'm I'm starting to get it, man. I was trying to explain as much as I could to Brady. So let's answer like two more, and then we're going to get out of here. Okay. Um, so uh, some guys on the chat, let's just go through because there have been a lot of questions coming in. We appreciate you guys watching the show. We appreciate you guys joining us this evening. And so, um, you know, we were talking with Michael. We didn't get to a lot of these things that you guys were, were talking about. Um, so I, I, I'm curious. Uh, some people say, what if we had AD, if we were the AD and money wasn't an issue, how many wins would Mike Norvell need this season to keep his job? Well, what's interesting here, Derek, as you write in, you're asking a question, a hypothetical that involves money not being an issue. If money's not an issue, and what you're telling me is that I have an open, I'm, I'm Texas A&M, I can hire anybody I want to hire. Nine. Because, oh, yeah. If I can hire anybody I want to hire and money's not going to be a problem if I make a decision to let the guy go, well, hell, he's in trouble. Yeah. Because at this point, I would I would put my arm around him. As, well, he may not be in trouble. Maybe he makes it happen. I'm rooting for him. But I'd put my arm around him and say, listen, I'm not going to bullshit you. If you do anything less than nine wins this year, I'm firing your ass. Yeah. Because so, money's no object to me, baby. I'll go out and get whoever I want. We'll pay <laughs> we'll pay you what we have to pay to get rid of you. We're still paying Willie, and then we're gonna pay 10 million for the next guy. Um the, realistically, though, if I was the AD, if I was Michael Alford and money is clearly an issue, I would say anything less than six wins is obviously you're done, I think, in my opinion. Maybe not well, done, but so I think you might be you, done. Let me ask you this, because that's the, you, you kind of we're skirting around something here that I think is a fundamental question. Is it on the table that Mike Norvell will be fired if he has a sub-500 season? Yes, of course. You, you, believe, be, you, you believe that Florida State will fire Mike Norvell if he goes 5-7? and seven? I think it's on the table. Um, I think I'm not, I'm not couching it. I think it depends on how it looks. If there are a rash of injuries and reasonable explanations for another losing season, but it will be his fourth year, right? It would be his fourth year or no third year, 2021, 20, 22. So only his third year. So 
still, I mean, I think we did. We just not set a precedent with baseball. Baseball's different. We I weren't know, paying him I, anything. I yet. think that if you if you're convinced that it's not turning around with this guy, don't make a three year mistake, a seven year mistake, and 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 like you did with Willie. Um, after after Jimbo left, you hired somebody that made it worse. And you don't want Norvell to be a guy that you perceive as making it worse. I don't think he is, and I don't think they'll go five and seven. But if they do, I absolutely think that would be on the table. Well, I think I agree with you that it, it it's very important to see how it looks. Uh, the reason I bring that up, they're playing a bunch of veteran quarterbacks. The schedule is difficult. If they have injuries, they're in trouble. This is not a team with a lot of depth. And yeah. I know a lot of people say, well, Jeff, if, if you have injuries, you're going to have a bad year. Alabama could have a slew of injuries. They're going to have a good year. But you know what? Wake Forest couldn't, and Boston College couldn't, and Louisville right. couldn't. And that's who you're competing with right now. Right. So that's – look, you can't beat Alabama. You're not in the same world as Alabama right now. But all these teams in the Atlantic, you're as good as, save for those two, uh, Clemson and NC State probably. But NC State probably can't afford a bunch of injuries either. Not many teams can. And you should – by year three, and you have churned this roster – to the point where they're, they're it's 79, 80% your guys. It maybe not recruits, but guys you brought in. If you're right. still struggling to limp through the Atlantic division after year three, then I think, and you're still struggling to score points, I think there's a real, you might, you might, it might come to a head. So, Jim, Ben, Jim Miller here touches on something that I think we can address. And he says, oh, okay, great. So, if they play a bowl game in Northwestern Louisiana, that's not FSU football, and, and, and he's, he's upset that we would want to retain him there. No, no, it hasn't been FSU football in, for a long time. It, 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 Florida State hasn't played Florida State football, uh, and I would guess that uh, Ben thinks that's 10-win that's seasons plus, right? Yeah, I do too. Six um, years. Yeah, yeah, they haven't done that in six years. So it, it's, there's nothing new there. Part of what we're dealing with here is that fine line between you don't want to be Auburn and Tennessee and these schools that fire a coach every other year and start over all the time because that never leads to anything positive. You, you rarely see that work out unless you do have more money than sense, right? So you can you can do that if, if money is not an object. It is an object at Florida State. So you're, you're constantly trying to thread that needle and say, when is the right moment to decide this guy's not advancing the cause and it's worth us starting over? Because if you fire him, you're starting over. And again, you're going to have to have bring in a guy that is going to then have to implement his system, change everything about what they're doing. Most of those recruits, they'll leave. You'll lose half this team. Uh, it, it's not as easy as, hey, he's just not playing Florida State football. There's, there's a lot more to it than that. Now, I agree with you. We are at – this is a, kind of the, the fulcrum moment, right? He, he's he got to have a good year. I don't disagree with that. I don't think there's any chance he gets fired unless he has some sort of 4-8, and 3-9 and nine type campaign. Well, that 4-8 ain't close – ain't that far off 5-7. and seven. Look, I, I'm saying I'm saying you could go 5-7 and seven if your losses were too vastly – the vast majority of your losses were to ranked teams uh, with veteran quarterbacks and you had a couple of injuries. I, I, yeah, I can it, see – but you also would admit uh, that it's on the table. It's not like he's he's just no matter what happens, he's he's clear. He's cleared. He's good. He's going into twenty twenty three. I mean it. It's it's. I mean it would have to be bad. It has to be awful. Yeah. But, but, but listen. I mean, but here's what here's my point is, and I've made this point a lot. Just because I say he won't get fired doesn't mean that Florida State isn't screwed. They are absolutely screwed. If he has anything less than seven or eight win season. I think I think he's a dead man walking. I, I and I don't mean that they'll fire him after going seven and five. I mean he'll have no momentum whatsoever in recruiting. Conversation we just had with Michael Langston uh, rears its ugly head again. How are you ever going to get anybody to say yeah, it's trending in the right direction? Here's the here's the thing to that. So say they go six and six, uh, and he's retained, and they don't have a good recruiting class. But they can't. They they bring, but that recruiting class isn't going to impact the 2023 season much anyway. So what if all these guys that are younger, these offensive linemen get better? Maybe the schedule even softens up, and you get nine wins in 2023. Well, then you weren't a dead man walking because you're not going to get fired after a nine-win season. And that just because you win six in 2022 doesn't mean you're only going to win six in 2023. And if you show that improvement, you're going to get another year, much like Muschamp did. It doesn't mean it's good for the program on the no. whole. What I'm saying is if he – doesn't have a quality step forward this year. We can debate what that is. I think most people believe that's eight and four or better. Well, sure. And 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 then and that shows some uptick in recruiting. 
and he has the chance to bring in the kind of players that long-term means that Florida State's going to have a chance to get back to winning 10 games, winning the Atlantic, competing for the ACC title, et cetera. It means that he'll be able to stay, Corey, but Florida State will be in limbo. They'll be screwed because the players that are coming in are not going to be appreciably better than the players they have right now, even if he has that kind of season. And it means that Florida State's not going to get back to winning the ACC and being any program of any significance. And so you're just waiting to fire a guy two and three years down the road is what you're doing if he does that. I mean, yeah, probably. I mean, probably. There have been there have been coaches that went losing season, mediocre, mediocre, pretty good, really good, really good, really good. Like that does that is a trend that can happen. It's hard to happen at a place like this, though, right? And in 2022, it's just hard because that coach the coaching profession isn't like that anymore. Um, I think we both think for the betterment of Florida State, there needs to be some stability. There just has to be. Yeah. Um, but but if if you think this guy isn't the guy, then do you rip the band-aid off quick or do you let it soak in bathwater or whatever you do to get off band-aids? I don't I don't use band-aids, guys. I just let open wounds out. Well, you let your body take care of it. You, I, you the know, body what? heals it. But that's what I, I wanted... that's what I've wondered. There is an there is an avenue where they because this schedule could be maybe tough. We'll see for sure. We thought last year's was going to be tougher than it ended up being. But if they go 6 and 6 this year, but then it does lighten up next year. And Jordan Travis is a 7th year senior and he does make strides and all those receivers come back and all those offensive linemen come back. Then in in the defense, you're not you're losing the two tackles, you're not losing anybody else. So you still have a kind of young team. If that team becomes a 9-win team, then Maybe that recruiting class is the one that kicks it off. I'm not saying that's likely, but I'm not saying just one bad year here means he's done because that next year is the one that tells us for sure. I think if he does have a poor season this year that we're all screwed, him him chiefly. Uh, uh, I, I mean, he's screwed to the tune of what? Sixteen million dollars. Yeah, he'll he'll be okay to be screwed yeah. while he's out of a job on the beach chilling. But yeah. you 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 and I will be covering another also ran program for another two or three years, just staring at each other like Kermit and what's his face, um, in the meme. I mean, it's gonna Bonzi be brutal. Bear? Who does Kermit stare at? The the actor from Batman, Christian Bale. Yeah, you've seen that meme millions of times. I, I just know the I know the Kermit meme. I didn't know he was staring at Christian Bale. It's yeah, Christian Bale I want and Kermit to... looking back at each other and just nodding heads. Matthew, pull up the damn meme. He knows but, that. But, but before time. before people think that we're uh, defeatist, um, I do think they're going to have a decent year. I think they do. I think they can win eight games. I also think the end of last year should fill us with hope. They had it. They had their worst September. Oh, yeah, okay. You're right. Christian Bale. I got you. Together, I just remember Corey. that part. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not all that familiar with that meme. That's a great um, meme. It is, but I, but I think that how they finished last year gives me hope that that's the real program. That's the real team. That is, that was not a great team, but it was five and three in its last eight. One of the losses, Jordan Travis didn't play another when he played only half the game at Florida and at Clemson. Those were three, those were three games. All of them were then a score and two of them were on the road in really tough environments. And you lost by a field goal, essentially both times. That was your final eight games. You carry that over, and you should be better this year, you hope, if you can find a way to rush the passer. The defense should be better. The offense really honestly can't be worse. If you could, that, that was an eight-win eight team that finished last year. I know they didn't finish with eight wins because the September happened. But they won five out of eight. If you do the math and extrapolate that for 12 games, you're right around eight wins, I think, right? I think, Corey, that what you're trying to say is something that I concur with, and that is that this team will be better and they have a chance to win eight games and that it's not all doom and gloom. We're just highlighting yet again, and I think we will like a broken record throughout the summer. It's a really important season. It is. It's a really important season. At the end of the day. For you guys, for us, for Norvell, uh, for Link Jarrett. There's a lot of Michael Langston. There's a lot of there's a lot of importance on this season for sure. <laughs> Good job, Matthew. Thanks for producing as always. Good job, Corey. Good to see you on board the bandwagons there. Um, Where are we getting together time, to watch the uh, the finals on Wednesday, buddy? We we can't, I got to do a golf show for the PGA Tour Network on Wednesday, but I can get together for some of the other games. I like, I think I'm actually flying to Colorado. I want to see him in person in the uh, whatever that thing's called, the igloo. What do they call it? They play you that. Go, you want to go to a road game? Yeah, the bunker. Yeah, I want to. Wear, I want to wear this with pride, man. Sorry, I hit all the right, mic. All right. I like it. I like it. Yeah, you'll be the uh, you'll be the guy that then the guy who turns and says, "Oh, you're a Tampa Bay fan, huh? T- tell me who's on your second line." 
And I'll be, and oh, you're, you're talking about Miller and, <laughs> and Wilson and, and uh, Kucherov. Oh, do Stamkos and uh, is it Kucherov? Do they not start? I know. Does that not matter in hockey? It, really? it does. It does matter. Uh, it depends on how your your makeup of your uh, team is for that night. How many forwards and defensemen you have? Because I yes, don't think they, they were on the ice to start the game last night. Because yeah, I told did, Brady they're the two best players. Look for these two numbers: ninety-one and eighty-six. And then he's like, well, why aren't they on the ice right now? No, no, if this isn't like baseball where you have like you're starting, you know, your position. No, I know they play it. They rotate in and out. I just would have thought you'd start with those guys on the ice. But maybe the two first two minutes is like a feeling out and then you throw it's them out. It depends there. on the matchup. It depends on what, uh, in that case, the Rangers presented. But anyhow, I mean, we're not going to get into this. We're getting bogged down. No, I, I just want to I, – I, I trust Cooper. I trust <laughs> Cooper. My man Cooper is going to make all the right decisions. I trust in that guy implicitly, wholeheartedly. Thanks to all of you for watching. It was fun. Be well. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday evening. We'll talk to you this week on Wake Up War Chant, the Jeff Cameron Show, Seminole Headlines, you name it, plus articles all week long on warchant.com. Stick with us. Be well, everybody. Have a great week.